Hey guys, welcome to Inside Anna's Mind. I hope you're well. I am very chilled out. I just woke up from a midday nap, which was lovely and needed. Uh, and it was so interesting because like normally, like obviously I kind of go throughout my day without a nap. And today, like I was planning my podcast in the morning and then I came back and I was ready to go on a run. Like that was the plan. Today was running day. And I just found myself doing other things. Like I was kind of like on my social media and then I was like doing some random things. And I was like, I feel like there's a part of my body that's trying to tell me that I actually don't want to go on a run. Like this is why I'm distracting myself. And it didn't take me very long. Like sometimes I think we try to ignore this and then that's why we procrastinate for longer. And then like that's why it takes us ages to go on the run or something. And I just kind of noticed pretty quickly and I was like, oh, okay then let's not go and so then I went upstairs I had a shower I put on my comfiest clothes ever and I ended up falling asleep on the sofa so like it was that's like what I mean when I say like you can become really in tune with your body like my body was there like girl I'm so tired and I was and now I'm really chilled out and yeah we're here to talk on the podcast now when I sat down (laughs) to plan today's episode I had no idea what it was going to be on But at the same time, it was obvious, almost like there wasn't a topic of my week because that's how my podcasts go anyways. It's kind of what comes up in my week or yeah, basically that. And for me this week, a big topic has been eating disorders and everything that comes after it. And it all started probably about four days ago when it kind of came to my mind that I wanted to make a eating disorder progress video, like a little reel for the Instagram, a little TikTok. And I sometimes don't have that much footage from that period of my life. Obviously I was making content back then, but I don't have very much of the raw, struggling, sad footage, right? Because on social media, I was always posting all the great things. And do you know what I mean? But I knew that on Snapchat, there was some stuff. I, I, I knew I had taken some stuff and put it on my eyes only when I was struggling. And so I logged into Snapchat for the first time in two years. Um, I just don't have the app. I don't, I don't know, I don't agree with it. Not even agree with it. I just, I don't need it for my personal stuff. And it was just, it all came at me so, like one big wave because for like an hour was I just looking through all these videos and it just reminded me of what I went through and just took me back for a second. And so this episode, I'm going to be sharing some of my tips towards not only, you know, while you're struggling through eating disorders, but actually that recovery stage. And then on top of that, after recovery, like, like things after recovery that maybe not you haven't thought about, but things that maybe are not talked about as much. And I wanna start this off with a message to my 19 year old self, who basically was the girl that was really struggling with the eating disorder. Because previously I didn't have much compassion to her. In fact, I was kind of scared of her. And I wouldn't say the nicest things about her, like, when people come up to me in person and they go oh my god like I followed you like at the beginning like two years ago I used to reply oh my god I'm so sorry about that like I understand that 
I didn't post. Basically, guys, if you don't know, the way that my account started, I was like a weight loss page. Like I thought that's what made me happy. So I was kind of promoting like a really active lifestyle and low calorie recipes and stuff. And so when people tell me, oh, I followed you back then, my previous response would be like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry I did that to you. And yes, I hold responsibility that my account went that way and it wasn't obviously the best thing, but like, I think I have to have compassion for her because, well, this is my little message to my 19 year old self. I can't wait for you to see who you have become. And I'm so proud of you for making that big jump and starting your recovery journey. You're so brave and strong for what you have been through. And I wanna let you know that I've got you now. You're safe and we are a team and things are gonna get a lot easier from now on. I love you so much and thank you for sticking through the hard times. I wouldn't be here without you, quite literally though. I know I've made remarks about you in the past saying how you messed up on social media, but you were doing your absolute best and you fucking created this life for me. You created Anna Archer Fitness, so I can only thank you. And so that's my apology to myself and now we're gonna go on to my eating disorder tips. Okay, so starting off, we have got to stop looking at the photos, guys. I remember when I was like going through the eating stuff that like, obviously I was analyzing my body every day. And I remember because obviously I had really big body dysmorphia, I always thought at the time that I wasn't lean, that I wasn't lean enough, that I wasn't small enough. But if I looked back at pictures two weeks ago, a month ago, I'd be like, oh, you were better then. You were leaner then. And then another two weeks would go by and I would look back at my, you know, self two weeks ago and I go, oh, you were actually really good then, but you're not good enough now. So it was almost always this backtrack of understanding what my body looked like, preferring an older body of mine and never appreciating the present and therefore trying to lose even more weight, continuing dieting. So the first thing I actually want you to stop doing is taking those body check videos. I'm talking about the videos where you stand up your phone, you press record and you try get like a natural, what do you look like to other people? Why are we trying to jump into other people's head? You are keeping the mindset alive that your body is something to be judged, okay? We don't need to see our body at all those angles. We don't need to have this, like I think part of the body dysmorphia slash you know, when I was in this stage, I was wanting to understand what my body looked like to others to make sure that it was okay, to make sure that it was good enough. Guys, I can tell you now, you are good enough just as you are, okay? You don't need to change one bit and it, and it actually doesn't fucking matter what you look like to other people, like it doesn't. The only thing that matters is your perception on yourself. The other thing is stop looking back at the time of your eating disorder. So if you're in recovery and your body's changed, you've maybe gained some weight and you're looking back to when you're at your lowest weight, you know, this is not gonna help you. While you are in recovery, you need to treat all the pictures and videos of yourself in that period like an ex, out of sight, out of mind, okay? You gotta break up with them. Also, we need to stop body checking in the mirror. So, when I was going through my recovery period, 
this was something I had to start implementing was like, just don't look in the mirror. Like when you walk past it, just learn to stop looking in the mirror. And it is something that you can do and something that will help the whole situation. Do not judge yourself every time you go past. Also stop lifting your top up and looking at your belly. I know this was a thing I did and I know it's a thing that other people did. I still to this day don't, I, I just, I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? Because what you're doing there is you're singling out one part of your body that genuinely fluctuates through the day. And you're just, you're almost like judging yourself on one part of your body by lifting just your top up and just looking what your stomach looks like. You're being really, really harsh on yourself. Like for me personally, if I want to look at my body, you know, I'm not saying it's a forbidden thing. I love to hype myself up. There's been times where like I walk past the mirror and I want to check myself out and I like slightly lift up my top and I go, no, no, no. You want to look at your body, you look at the whole thing, right? So when I'm getting changed and maybe I'm naked or in my brown pants, then I'll look at my body, right? Because I'm seeing the whole thing in all of its glory, okay? Body dysmorphia is when we focus on little parts. It's when we keep checking our arms. It's when we check our nose and check our jawline. Do you know what I mean? Check our thighs. You're singling out these body parts. Can we start looking at our body as a beautiful whole thing? Something that also really helps just kind of change the programming of the way that like your routine with the mirror. So obviously normally when you're struggling, you go to the mirror and you're really picking yourself apart. We want to try to do the opposite. And I still do this to the day when just before I walk past a mirror, I think about something I'm really going to like, like your hair looks so good or your butt is going to look so perky or do you know what I mean? Like I give myself a compliment, like you look amazing. And then when I stand in front of the mirror, I'm like, wow, you do look amazing. Wow, your butt does look so good. And so it's almost like giving yourself the compliment before. And so it's the first thing you see when you look in the mirror. Now I wanna go into post recovery where, you know, I talked about not kind of communicating or looking at the pictures of when you were going through it, right? And meeting that, you, you're kind of taking a breakup to that girl who was really, really going through it. But then there's a part, just as I kind of said at the beginning, where I almost rejected her too much. And now I'm coming to my younger self with love and compassion, okay? And there'll be a point of your journey when you realize that's what you've got to do now. You go, right, okay, I've done the major part of recovery where now I understand that, okay, I, I physically know that I'm not gonna go back to that lowest place again, but you know, can we really provide some compassion for that girl? Because this was her way to cope with what was going on around her at the time and the things that went on, you know, to her in the past. She was trying, or he, if you're out there, was trying her absolute best, okay? She was trying to keep herself safe. She didn't know that it was okay to express emotions. And so she expressed them with whatever you essentially doing. Res restricting, binging, purging. Essentially, she didn't have the tools to cope with the emotions that were coming up. And so bless her. And that was a little message to you guys. You know, your older versions that went through it, okay? We really need to... 
understand that this was their coping mechanism because she had things or he had things to cope with. You've been through shit and some where in your childhood or teenagehood were you taught that it's not okay to express emotions or that you're not good enough because that is almost the core reason why we have basically these disorders or body image issues is because there's a little part of us that doesn't think we're good enough in the present moment now I'm obviously coming to a point where like I can look back at photos but only really because I need it for my job like when I want to make a progression video or something and I don't know whether I would have a leisurely scroll through all my pictures if this wasn't my job but I think I would still you know send love to her and you know what I'm thinking of doing just right now is almost like printing a picture of her off and obviously not a super triggering one of her body or something but just like a cute little picture of her face just as I would with that same my six-year-old self and just almost imagining her as like a little child too that needs to be loved, you know, four or two. And just reminding her that I am there for her too. Okay, the next tip is if you find yourself sometimes missing your old body, okay, you need to remember what it was like to be mentally at your lowest. Okay, at the beginning of recovery, we sometimes fantasize about our lowest weight. You just need to remember what it was like mentally to be there. Remember all the things that you had to do in order to be that way. Because honestly, when I was going through recovery, people would ask me, do you not miss your old body? Like I was basically known to have like rock board abs, like, like whatnot. And people were like, but do you not miss that body? Like, okay, thank you, Rachel. <laughs> but I know it was just coming a place of like them asking for advice and I would always reply no because it led me to having my head down the toilet three times a day. I was walking around with huge headaches, eyes puffy, sore acidic throat and not a second of my day went by where my mind wasn't consumed by my body, calories or exercise and so no I don't miss that body, thank you. And that was my, my genuine kind of reminder to myself or not even reminder but just my opinion of it every time that I thought about those abs thought about that level of leanness or smallness or thinness I gave Anna you know the reality of getting there I came to a point where I was weighing myself like eight times a day I I went to some real extremes and I'm not saying that in the way of like compare or like oh who's better because I feel like in the eating disorder community it can be quite competitive as well and I just want to put in another segment here you are valid with disordered eating whether or not you were hospitalized whether or not you had a low enough BMI what do you know what I mean even for me when I was at my lowest weight I was actually with a therapist in the summer and I remember she told me, well, we haven't got anything basically saying that you're underweight. You're going to have to lose another four kilograms <laughs> for your BMI, like for us to be worried about your BMI. And even for someone who was like deeply surround, like, you know, when you're in an eating disorder that you block off any sort of like help or any sort of anything, 
I realized that what she just told me was wrong. Like I didn't think for a second that I had an eating disorder, but like for her to tell me that I had to lose another four kilograms in order to be worried about was weird because I was so lean. And like, just because I had muscles, you know, now it wasn't a problem that I wasn't like low enough weight. And also like eating disorders, guys, like it's really got far to do with your body. Like I know you're like, no Anna, it does, but people can be binging, like that's an eating disorder. People can be going through so much other stuff and our body is not always a reflection of that, which is why like, I think sometimes it can be quite damaging when people really associate certain bodies with an eating disorder because then some people just get totally unrecognized. And I remember like, there was a point where like, when I did want help, that I thought if I get really, really thin, then people will care about me more. And I just don't want that. I don't want other people to have that mindset to think, well, yes, I'm struggling with food, but I'm not thin. So if I keep struggling with food and get thin, then maybe people will see my pain on my body. And I just wanna let you know that you're valid already. You don't need your body to be a certain weight or size in order to have a valid, you know, eating disorder or that you're struggling. Okay, and then I'm gonna touch on a point about post-recovery. Like I'm talking when you're kind of, you're out of the recovery phase. And I think it's hard because like, it's such an unknown timeline to other people. Like everybody's journey is so individual with different timescales that like you could think that someone is recovered and they're not. You can think someone is not recovered and they are. Like we just can't essentially tell other people where they are in their journey. And so in terms of post-recovery, don't let other people tell you where you are in your journey because you truly know where you are. You know whether you can eat the foods what you want and you can exercise from a different intention. Like you, you truly know that stuff. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this was one of the things that basically triggered me the other day. It got to me, it hurt because I basically got some TikTok comments and this was the day after I posted quite like a vulnerable reel and TikTok about the fact that I went through an eating disorder. And the next day <laughs> I had the pleasure of reading some comments saying, it looks like you're relapsing. And then another comment of, you're looking a bit small. Are you sure you're okay, love? Like a really kind of passive question, passive aggressive question. And the reason why it, hurt me was because it just made me mad it because it's keeping this whole thing alive that our bodies are a representation of what we're going through and just as I explained a couple of minutes ago what I was going through when I was at you know mentally at my lowest I was throwing up several times a day I was binging several times a day there was not a second that went by that I didn't think about calories I was weighing myself all day I was looking in the mirror all day I was taking pictures all day I was fucking consumed. And then for someone just to really casually just comment on my body like that and say that you're relapsing, I was like, how fucking dare you? You clearly have not listened to my podcast. You have clearly not listened to my YouTube. You clearly haven't actually scrolled on my Instagram for one second. And, but I know that's on my journey to like be okay with and not have to please everyone. But 
it just wasn't nice. And this is the thing, guys, like, it is all our personal journeys. We cannot try assume what other people are going through. And only I would genuinely know what I'm going through and where I'm at. And personally, I'm in a place in my life where I'm not gonna preach about something that I'm not truly actually going through because I do actually share when I'm struggling. And yeah, I, so that was me kind of, if you, if you get anything like that, like other people kind of questioning where you are or whatnot, obviously, you know, you're only generally gonna know, but just remember this is your journey. Next topic is extreme hunger and gaining weight. Guys, I know it can be hard. I know it can be hard because when you don't love yourself at your lowest, why the fuck are you gonna love yourself when you're gaining weight? Like that that's the truth, but that's where the magic is. And that's where the, the lesson from the universe is, okay? And you gotta let yourself go into it, okay? And spend your efforts, not trying to change yourself again and lose the weight, but to accept yourself where you are, okay? I went through extreme hunger. I could not stop eating for months. I was so hungry and it made sense why, you know, I had restricted myself for so long that my body was in a deficit and my body also didn't know if I was gonna restrict again. And so I really want you to not judge yourself for any of it, even if you're emotionally eating, okay? Because I remember one thing that actually used to happen to me was I would start by emotionally eating. Like it would just be like, I'm a bit sad. I'm a bit anxious. I'm going to eat. And I would eat chocolate. I'd eat dessert. And then the ED brain would be like, you just emotionally eat and you've just eaten this. You've eaten more than I would typically eat on a random Thursday night. And so I'm going to make you binge. Do you know what I mean? Whereas if you can say no to those thoughts and be like, I'm just allowed to emotionally eat. You will finish the night with just emotionally eating. When you let the guilt come in, that's where it could potentially go into binging because you felt guilty about doing the emotional eating. Even me now, although I don't personally emotionally eat that much just because I have other ways to kind of express my emotions and I don't try to suppress them. Sometimes, you know, once in a blue moon, I am like, I'm crying and I'm like, I just want some fucking chocolate. Like I eat chocolate every day, so it really doesn't make a difference. But like when I can tell it's from that intention, I have it and I'm like, and what? Do you know what I mean? And so I just, you know, you can't expect yourself to stop having a coping mechanism right at the beginning of your journey. Like food is a coping mechanism for you. So you just have to be really allowing and you will stop emotionally eating once you go through the therapy because you will release what you're trying to suppress and why you think it's not okay to allow yourself to express emotions you will learn new stuff okay you will learn new tools and like even for me like I really like I literally don't have the urge to binge at all like that's generally from the bottom of my heart and that is coming from a place of like, there's light at the end of the tunnel, guys. And I haven't had this probably for like a year and a half now. But the thing is, it doesn't mean that I still don't crawl up on a ball on the sofa with so much anxiety that my throat could feel like it could burn a hole in it. Okay, so it's not saying I don't have the bad days. It's just my bad days are slightly different now that it doesn't lead to binging. 
Okay, so like, yes, I'm called up on the sofa, but I'm a little bit more present with my body and I know what's going on and I have other tools to get me out of that place. Like I just have other things that I go to now because food doesn't actually help it in that way anymore. Like because it just suppresses what's going on with where I'm at in my self-awareness journey, suppression doesn't get me places anymore because if I just suppress at 7 p.m., 8 p.m., it's gonna still fucking annoy me. 9 p.m., it's gonna annoy me. And so I actually have to do releasement and so it's a, it's all part of, you know, your journey and you will get there. And if you try to start change it, like changing yourself straight away and trying to start losing the weight when you just gain the weight, then you're not learning the lesson that the universe is trying to teach you. You are good enough in the present moment. Think about it. Before an eating disorder, you thought you would be happy when you lost the weight. But then when you did lose the weight, you still didn't feel good enough, Right. That's what happens. We have an eating disorder. We actually lose weight or maybe we don't, but let's say you did. You still don't feel good enough. You still can't quite see the fact that you've lost enough weight. And why is that? It's because you never accepted yourself in the first place. So the way that you're gonna get out of this cycle is the second you stop trying to change your body the second you accept it in the present moment, and that's gonna be hard, but it's gonna be fucking worth it. I remember being in a bigger body and realizing like, yeah, I'm, I'm going around in circles, like keep trying to changing it, do you know what I mean? Because it's not like, ne people don't talk about like after recovery, it's actually so hard to lose weight. Like it is actually so hard. I remember trying to. There's just something else that's going on. Things don't work for us anymore. Like the, the old stuff that used to work, that I like tried to lose weight doesn't work anymore. And I'm glad, right? But it's until you mentally try stop losing the weight, it will probably change. And that's kind of like the essence of life. Like when you stop trying to like beg for something, does it actually come to you? And when you, let's say you're single and you're really, really wanting a boyfriend for so many years and that's your biggest obsession. When you understand that it's actually absolutely fine to be single and that you're really okay with it and that you have got good company someone's probably going to come right around the corner you need to just give yourself full permission to eat full permission to put on weight and give yourself time give yourself time I remember I had a girl in my dms and she was like I gained weight I don't know what to do and like it's really stressing me out I'm like go go you you gotta you gotta give yourself a lot of time okay it's a long thing and like recovery is not a quick thing. And it was weird because I could never imagine myself, like thinking about when I started recovery, I could never imagine being in a place where I am today in terms of not thinking about food in that way, being able to do exercise and not think about calories, going to walk for my mental health and not to burn calories. But at the same time, I expected recovery to be done in three months. Like I couldn't imagine a self you know, where I am today, but I expected it to be done in a couple of months. And it's been a whole two years. And at the same time, I don't want you to compare that time either because we are so individual. And so like, if it's been a lot more years or whatnot, you, you've got to give yourself permission for that too. But yeah, if you're just starting recovery, like it's going to be, it's going to be a journey. And it's weird to think because two years ago, I literally thought that like the world was just coming round. Like, no, if I don't change quickly, then my life will be over. And like, 
no, like it really matters right now what weight I am and I need to get, be smaller now. Do you know what I mean? There's so many scary things and like, bro, it's been two years and it's so weird. Like it feels like such a long time, but at the same time, such a short time. Like it's a really weird thing, but every stage was worth it because I'm so happy where I am now. And I also want to put a little disclaimer, you know, me saying like, oh, it's been two years and stuff. I've also been a little bit fast paced in every section of my life especially in the self-awareness realm. And so please don't compare where you are, where I am. I am, well, I've always been quick to notice when things aren't aligned with me. Like I dipped into bulimia for only one month, but it was so intense, but I was quick to realize that that's not something that I wanted in life. I've also had the privilege to have quite a lot of disposable income. And so I can spend my money on therapy and take time out for myself. And also my job is always about reflecting on my journey. So it's also part of my job to turn up for myself. And yeah, so that's just like a little thing about me, but the more acceptance you can bring in the present moment, the quicker the growth will come. When we resist the present moment, that's when we get stuck. Next tip is about practicing eating your fear foods, which I think is obviously like, more of the physical side of the eating disorder recovery. Um, but it takes a lot of time to get over your fear food and it's worth it. It's so, so worth it because then the food doesn't have control over you. And so if you find yourself like really like getting anxious when people have chocolate around your sweets, that basically means you need to go do your homework. You need to in your own life in your own alone time in your own family situation like not just when you go out but when you're alone practice having those foods include it in part of your diet so that when you are with other people those foods don't have a hold of you do you know what I mean like I remember when I used to like never let myself have chocolate and then when I was with other people and they had chocolate the urge to binge the urge to eat every single one the urge to resist, like not even resist it, but like I was trying to resist it so much that I wanted it so much and then I would, and then I'd feel guilty. And it was a whole cycle. If you practice having a little bit of chocolate every day, you will soon realize it has no fucking effect on your body. And then you'll be okay with eating it every day. And then you'll be absolutely fine when you do have it or don't have it. And then when you are again with those people offering you chocolate, you will eat the chocolate if you want it and you would not eat the chocolate if you don't want it and it is as simple as that I used to literally have a fit like a fit over olive oil potatoes pasta rice chocolate pizza burgers everything everything that had a carbon everything that had like an ounce of fat in like everything and because I've practiced it so much they literally don't have a control over me like I literally eat all of them weekly and it's so lovely. Like it's genuinely so lovely. And it just takes practice. Like I think some foods came in easier for me. And then there was things like pasta, which still really scared me. And so I realized that, okay, I need to start having pasta weekly. And then I did and I go, okay, I can have pasta weekly now. And then it comes to a point where like you have it every day and you're like, okay, it's really, really fine. I can have pasta whenever I want. So, and like, even now, sometimes I forget about certain foods and I'm like, oh, I should probably like include those and not in a way of like still restricting, just like some foods you just forget to eat or like they're not as much in your natural like choice of foods. And so it's always like a continuous little journey of like realizing like, oh, interesting that I had a little bit of anxiety over that. Probably just start eating more. 
And I remember like I had that with nuts. Like I was so scared of nuts. I did not understand why people would eat them. I was like, oh my God. And then now I'm like a nut queen. And same with peanut butter. Oh my God. Like I'm actually just, if I just take a second, I'm so proud of where I am and the difference of like relationship with food and like actually wanting to fuel myself and actually wanting to serve my body and wanting to give myself all the nutrients, the fats, the carbs. Like I literally wake up like every meal. I'm like, okay, I need carbs in. Otherwise I'm, how's my body going to run in my exercise and I need my fats. So that like brain health and everything else can work. And it's just like, it's just so nice. It's so nice. And you know, we're going to give chocolate a little <laughs> couple of minutes of attention, but I eat so much chocolate now. I fucking love it. And yeah, coming from a girl who like really like that really scared me back in the day. And it was one of those things that again, I practiced having it. And then I realized like, I don't actually want to remove it. Like, it's not the fact that I'm going to practice having chocolate every day and then take it away. I practice having chocolate every day and realize it is just something that brings me happiness and I love it. And that is my, you know, when you eat lunch and you want something sweet, I fancy the fuck out of chocolate. When I have dinner, I want chocolate. And I've realized through my journey that the days that I try to resist it, like, oh, I probably shouldn't have chocolate after my meal. So I'm going to have fruit, then I'm going to have yogurt, then I'm going to have this and that and this and that. And it was like, I just wanted the chocolate. And so now what I do after both lunch and dinner, I just have chocolate straight away. I don't think about it. I don't question it. I don't think whether it's right or wrong. I don't try to have a substitute because I know that in the end, I'm going to want the chocolate. And this is another one of my favorite quotes live the lifestyle you want and your body can be the product of that and for all I know chocolate every day is the lifestyle I want who like think about it why wouldn't you want that as your lifestyle why wouldn't you want to be able to eat chocolate every day and maybe that's like a different food for you and that's the way that I personally live my life like whenever you let's say I'm with friends and like we want to get takeaway pizza or we want to get like burgers and stuff I don't go oh no Anna like you appreciate your health and don't get that. It's like, no, this is the lifestyle I want. When my friends come over once a month and we have a little sleepover and we want to get chocolate and pizza and all of our yummy foods and be so full that we're kind of lying on the sofa. I want that. I want that. Okay. And so my body can be the product of that. I want chocolate every day. So my body can be the product of that. I also love having vegetables and love eating protein and love eating potatoes and rice and all these other things. I love drinking water. And so my body is the product of that. Instead of living in a way of like, right, I want my body to look a certain way. And so I'm going to do all these things to make it look that way. You're putting way too much pressure on yourself. Okay. Stop trying to change your body. And the thing is, is whenever I say that, I think people listen to me, <laughs> but I've had conversations with people and it's like that mild, like doesn't have an eating disorder, but still always maybe wants to try lose weight. Do you know what I mean? And I would say to them like, you know, you don't have to change your body. Like you are good enough in the present moment. They go, no, no, no. like I just like a little bit. Like I just need to lose a little bit. I'm like, no, 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 you are absolutely okay right now. Stop trying to diet because I will tell you now, it's actually the thing that's probably making you put on weight. And like, that's not to scare you. I'm just saying that the way that you are going to live your best lifestyle is by accepting yourself, nourishing yourself, fueling yourself, loving yourself. That will be your best self. Okay. Next one is a quote that really helped me 
during my recovery. And it was what we think in our privacy of our own mind matters. And I think the reason why this helped me so much was because for so long, the external image of myself is I is what I thought mattered the most and at least mattered to other people. Do you know what I mean? And going into recovery, it was almost like owning responsibility or being like, actually, I'm going to put me first and what happens in the privacy of my own mind matters. And what in reality is happening in the privacy of my own mind is 24 seven intrusive thoughts, always thinking about calories, always thinking I'm not good enough, always trying to lose weight. And so if that's happening in the privacy of my own mind, that matters. And that's what I'm going to work on. And yeah, it just helped me a lot. And it kept reminding me that it's not just about my body. And I'm doing recovery to allow myself to have peace in my own mind. Next thing is something that I have mentioned before. And the reason why you have an eating disorder or disordered eating or don't feel good enough in your body is because of your past. It has nothing to do with your body. Whether you think you do or don't have trauma, you do. Everyone has trauma. This is the way that life works. We all have trauma, generational, new, whatnot. And it's in childhood and it programs us. It gives us a blueprint. That's why some people have different triggers, go through different things, have different ways of expressing emotions, different attachment styles, all of this stuff. And our journey of life is to heal those things, okay? And so what happened was there is a series of events in your past that made you feel not good enough. And that's why you kind of went into this eating disorder thing, right? You're trying to change something. You're trying to change your external in order to feel good enough. And so the reason why I'm telling you this is, yes, we need to do the surface level recovery, e.g. eating more, e.g. not exercising as much, giving yourself a break. But we also need to go into the past to really unravel it. And this will help you heal, okay? So it's just a little reminder that, yeah, if I, to be fair, I did go into therapy quite quickly after, like into my recovery, but that is my number one tip. Get yourself into recovery because you have this eating disorder because of other shit. And recovery is not only about food. It will develop into other things if you don't do the healing work. And what this means is, let's say you had an eating disorder and you did the, I say service level, guys, it doesn't mean that it's easy, but you did the eating more, you gained the weight, whatnot. If you don't actually heal and start going into the past, what will happen is it will develop into a different coping mechanism. That could be drinking, that could be smoking, that could be vaping, that could be becoming a workaholic, being like toxic productivity vibes, okay? it will turn into a different coping mechanism because you're still trying to cope from a deeper thing, okay? This is not to scare you. This is just to make yourself aware. And I, what happened was is, so when I went into my recovery, I went really, really deep, really, really fast. And I did a lot of deep fucking therapy and almost, I'm not gonna say with the wrong people, but the therapist I had was like super, super, I'm going to say almost invasive, like really, really got some deep shit out of me that maybe wasn't ready to be processed. And there was a switch. I don't know if you guys, if you had followed me at the time, it was in the period of like going into summer 
I just dyed my hair blonde. So sis was a brunette. I've always been a brunette. Going through recovery. And then there was this sudden switch. I switched as a person. I almost shut down recovery. What I did was I dyed my hair blonde. I started vaping and smoking. And I ignored and suppressed all emotions again because the therapy was so intense for me. And it's just so interesting. Like, it's just interesting. And then, yeah, so I kind of like, I guess went backwards in recovery a little bit, but it wasn't anywhere near intense. Like I wasn't binging and I wasn't purging. I was just suppressing. Like I was smoking. Obviously not ideal to have a fitness account, but (laughs) that's what was happening behind the scenes. And then we went into toxic productivity. So I remember giving up smoking the last day. It's been like a year now, a year and one month. So pat on the back to me. But, and it was such a weird thing. Like it's such a, I never thought that I would do that. I think it lasted for like six months, but I went into the, like, let's say my New Year's resolution at the time a year ago was you're going to stop smoking. So I stopped smoking the day after for months on end, did I fall into toxic productivity, like 6am to 10pm working. Like it was just, it just turned into another COVID mechanism. Like that's what happened. And then a few months going on. And then I started with my new therapist and that's when things really started to unravel. And I really actually started, okay. I'm not going to say actually started the healing process because every stage was I a little bit more healed? So it's not the fact of just like dissing all older versions of myself being like, well, you just started smoking and then you went to toxic productivity. It's like, okay, no, she was doing her healing work, but there is so much to always heal that like, there was still a lot going on. There was still a lot going on for me. So yes, at the time when I was, let's say, just moving in with Millie, I was obviously really happy with the progress that I had made. It didn't feel like I was in the exact same place. And so all my mental health progress videos that I was posting online were true. They were all genuine. I was feeling a lot better, but it's so funny now that like then six months later when I was making like mental health progress videos, let's say in my toxic productivity stage, obviously I didn't realize that it was toxic productivity, but I was like so happy that like I wasn't smoking. And so like, I did feel like a new person. And then again, I went to Bali and I felt like an absolute new person. And so it's not to discredit any older version of ourselves. It just, it's interesting. It's like, I'm sure you could reflect on yourself as well. Like there's probably like probably three months out of recovery, no, into recovery. You probably thought you were like a whole new person, but then three months later, you're a whole new person and a whole new person and you just keep getting better, right? And that's the beauty of it. But yeah, main message about that is do the deep healing shit because it will actually sort shit out. Like it just will. And I personally think it's one of the biggest investments we can do in ourselves, preventative or when life is crashing down. My next point is getting involved in other people's journeys. Listen to my words. You are not responsible for anyone else's journey but your own. I know there's this thing when we get into the eating disorder realm, we really start picking up on other people's eating habits. We really try to dip into other people's progression or not progression. And this is what I have to say. Stop trying to get your hands into other people's recovery journey. And anything that triggers you, quite literally triggers you. For example, 
when I was in my recovery, I actually did not understand how people could exercise with a healthy mindset. Like when I saw people say, let's say fitness influencers say, I'm going on a mental health walk or like I'm going on a walk, I'd be like, yeah, right. It's about your mental health. We all know you're trying to burn calories. We all know you're trying to get steps in. Like that was literally my thought. When I saw people like work out five times a week at the gym, I was like, well, you've got an eating disorder. And it's like, no, that's what was my trigger because I still hadn't grown or healed that part of me. And then obviously now, like after recovery, whenever I see something, I like totally understand. I'm like, yeah, I'm literally the same. Like when people talk about like training and movement really being good for them and I'm going on a walk, I don't judge any of it. I'm like, I really actually do know what a walk does for my mind now. And so, yeah, like, like I'm on that. Our journeys are so individual. And instead of putting the energy into what your friend is doing in their recovery journey, like picking up on things they're doing and commenting and saying little things, stop, stop, stop. Put that energy into you, okay? Put that energy into you. I remember when I came back from Bali, really healed this part of me. And when, you know, friends or like people in my life or let's say people online would say little comments, I really understood. I was like, ah, it's because it's their triggers and their shit. And I don't need to accommodate for that. There was a point in my recovery journey where I stopped going on walks because it was almost people around me were saying like, why are you going on walks? Like, why do you need to walk every day? Why do you need to do that? And so I just stopped walking. When I lived in London, I stopped walking and I stopped going on like, you know, walks for my mental health in my day and just getting sunlight. And that is changing your authentic self, which is something I'm about to come on to. You cannot try to please everyone. Sorry to break it to you guys. And you can take this in whatever part of your life you want to. This is your journey. Not everyone will like you. And that's the fucking aim. I spent years trying to please everyone especially the last year on my account, I almost changed my authentic self in tiny ways in order to not trigger other people online or in my life. For example, not going on walks or not eating a salad or not doing a morning and evening workout, even if that's what really felt good to me. And like, it's hard because obviously people around you sometimes maybe just are a bit worried or a bit like, you know, careful around you or like what you're doing but like you only know your authentic self and look we can either aim to be a perfect circle with perfect round edges that doesn't piss anyone off that's what I felt like I was doing you know a year ago today like I congratulate myself for becoming such a safe account like I will always know what is super fucking triggering to someone like I've been through quite a lot of different things and so I know what not to post on my account but I took it to the extreme I took it to the extreme of like if anyone commented like let's say I put up a story of a salad and then I got a dm saying why are you eating a salad like are you trying to restrict I then wouldn't eat salad for six months or I wouldn't post a salad for six months do you know what I mean like I was changing my true self my true self, because someone else who was struggling with an eating disorder or was struggling commented, they reflected it 
like they were putting their stuff on me and I took it on as my responsibility. And I don't wanna be a perfect circle, okay? Because what I wanna be is the star with pointy edges and some people will love them and others, it will poke them in the wrong way. And that's how I see my personality and my true authentic self. I'm a star, nice, pointy, perfect little star. <laughs> Maybe not perfect, but you know, the little tips and the little high points, people will love them. People will be like, you're amazing. And there's other parts of you that will truly piss people off. And I'm okay with that now because our true authentic self, that's the aim. And it's not our responsibility to not piss other people off. Our responsibility is to be ourselves. And if you are disliked by some people, then I say you're doing something right. I remember when I was like kind of bullied in high school, high school, not American, sorry, secondary school, by some of, let's say the popular girls. And I'm not gonna say I wasn't one of the popular girls, but I was like a different breed of the popular girls. <laughs> like I was just like, just a lot of people's friends, but, I would, I would get some snarky comments from them. Like I would get some snarky comments from them and you know, my family or my best friends would always say like, oh, well, they're just, they're a bit scared of you. Well, not scared of you, but it was because I was highlighting a part of them that made them feel uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? And they took it out on me. And my biggest piece of advice, if you are in school and you've got some girls like, you know, and you can just tell that like a little part of them is jealous of you, but like you can't actually understand that. And so you like actually get really hit by their comments. Like it's hard. I know, I know what it's like. My biggest piece of advice is try not to please them. Like if I went back to my younger self, there was a point in my journey where like, let's say I got to like year 10. I, I, I did not give a fuck. Like I really started just like, if they don't like me, they don't like me. Do you know what I mean? But previous to that, I would try like please them and stuff. Stay being you. They are not essential in your life. I know in secondary school, like the popular girls seem really essential. Like they seem like you, they like, they're like the lions of the school. And if they don't like you, then like you're in danger. It's really not the case. And then there's also the flip side of like, if we can meet them with compassion and realize that this is their own stuff, we can also bring compassion to the whole situation. Like just go bless them. They're going through a lot of shit. Like just think, you can't even take a second to think about what's going on in their family or what their dynamic is with their parents or what they've been taught or when they've been shown that they're not good enough or that they can't be their true authentic self. Because I think that was essentially what was shown up in like secondary school. Like I was very me. I was active, I was energetic, I was kind, I was funny. I was just like happy. And I also was a little bit of like a mess in the way of like a bit of a tomboy. My hair was always like a mess. I was always in my PE kit, like I was just me. And like, there was a part of the popular girls that just didn't like that. Do you know what I mean? They were just like, it frustrated them and that's 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 not your responsibility. So if you can take that into university where some girls don't like you or whatnot, like I just wanted to share that just in case you are going through that, but you you can't please everyone and please be the star, not the circle. And this is going on to like your recovery journey. You are the only one who knows what's going on. Like bro, going back to the comments that I received on my accounts, like when they said like, oh, it looks like relapsing. I was like, what the fuck? 
do they know? Like, firstly, I'm just not in the same body. But at the same time, two years ago, I was binging on food till I felt sick and then threw it all up, did it three times a day. And you have the audacity to tell me that I'm relapsing. Like, it's just so out of line and it couldn't be further away from that. And what I had learned, you know, when I was trying to be like, why, why has the universe done this to me? Why did I need to get these comments? And it was almost testing me in a way of, do you, are you sure in yourself? Are you you grounded in yourself that you're being genuine to yourself? And that's what it's taught me the last couple of days. Whenever like, you know, I start questioning myself and I go, no, 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 Anna, 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 you know how you're feeling and your intentions around things, okay? We are not gonna let someone else's comment give me a wobble, okay? I am a sturdy oak tree. and that's kind of going on to my next point when you know people don't know what's going on eating disorders are not about your body it's what you think of it and your intentions behind your actions listen to that again your intentions behind your actions you could have two girls going on a walk once a day one of them is going because they don't feel good enough they feel like they need to lose weight they feel like they need to get steps in they feel like they need to maintain this body that they have And if they don't go on the walk, something bad will happen. The other girl is going on the exact same walk for the exact same amount of time. She's just trying to get some sunshine in her eyes. She wants to listen to a podcast, listen to some music. She's trying to shift her mood. She's had a bit of a bad day or she's having a really good day. And that is what I mean about intention behind the action. And so that's why we cannot judge other people's actions because we don't know their intentions. Only you know that. Do you exercise because you are trying to change yourself because you don't feel good enough? Or are you doing it because you love yourself so much that you want to serve your body? Let that sink in. Like, can we stop commenting on other people's body? Even if you're trying to look out for people. The comments that get to me are when someone is so passive. They're like, are you sure you're okay, love? I'm just looking out for you. You don't look amazing. Like you look a little bit like ill, but I'm just looking out for you. Love you. And it's like, can we, can we stop commenting on each other's bodies? Like either way, you wouldn't say that to me if I put on weight. So why are you saying that to me if I'm looking a little bit slimmer? Like, like the, yeah, I I think it's something as a generation that we need to work towards. Because I think the reason why I'm like pushing this so much is like, I have a lot of compassion for younger parts of me that weren't quote unquote skinny, but really fucking struggling. And I just think it's rude to only attach like people that are struggling with an eating disorder with really slim bodies. And by calling people out when they get slimmer, are you relapsing? Are you getting ill again? It's just reinforcing the fact that it's all about our bodies. Because what if you're binging? And what if you're really struggling with food? And what if you're gaining weight? But now people aren't worried about you because you've put on weight, it's not fair. I actually remember when I was coming, like I say coming out of my eating disorder, like in terms of going straight into recovery, obviously I'd just started recovery, things weren't healed. And family members were saying, oh my God, you look so good and healthy. Like you look a lot better now. And it's like, but you just like, I was really struggling every day. I was crying about my body every day. I was so uncomfortable in this bigger body of mine but everyone around you suddenly thinks that you're fine. And I remember really having to reinforce that to my mum. And I feel like she's still learning, Um, but she's learned a lot, bless her. She's done so well. 
because for her, like it honestly just goes over her head. Like she will just say things about my body and I'm like, mom, you, you can't say that. And I remember at the beginning, I was like, mom, just because I'm in a bigger body doesn't mean that I'm okay yet. And she has this little habit of like, whenever I see her, she kind of like looks me up and down. She goes, you're looking really well. And I go, mom, like you just can't like, just stop. I almost, you know what I don't like? People, I almost feel like people keep track of things like, oh, you looked bigger or smaller last time or, or you're doing better now. And like, sometimes my mom will be like, Anna, like, I just got to double check with you. You're looking a little bit slimmer right now. Like, is everything okay? And it's like, but you wouldn't tell that to me if I looked a little bit bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you want to check up on me, check up on me, but don't use my body to check up on me. Like it has no correlation with how I'm doing. And I'm not set, I'm not completely disregarding the fact that like, if someone gets really, really slim, like don't ask them how they're doing and like, don't think they've got an eating disorder, but you can provide support to people without reinforcing this whole body thing. And that's again, why you should not congratulate people on losing weight. If someone says like, oh, like let's say a friend that doesn't have an eating disorder or, you know, again, you never know if they do or not. And they go, oh my God, like I've lost this amount of weight or a parent or an auntie. You just be like, are you feeling happy? And if they go, yeah, I'd be like, I'm, I'm happy for you. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't say, oh my God, congratulations. You look so much better because this is the, this is actually what gives almost people like really bad, um, not what's the word, not associations, but just relationship. When you get congratulated for losing weight, that's when the harm is done because you actually think the older version of yourself isn't good enough. I remember when so many people commented on my body when I started losing weight, that's when it kind of reinforced to me like, oh shit, was my previous body not good enough? Obviously it was, but people just, you know, I think naturally people just are like, oh my God, you look so amazing now, but don't necessarily realize what that can do to someone. <sighs> okay. I want to give a message if you are, I've got two more points left, so you've got to hold on. A message if you are a friend, a parent, a sibling of someone who is really struggling, like, like, like down, doesn't matter if it's an eating disorder or not but let's say depression, let's say anorexia, let's say an eating disorder, whatnot. This is their journey, okay? And I know it can be hard. I've been there. I've had friends who lose weight so quickly. I've had family members who have been hospitalized. This is their journey. And you can show your support, but you cannot take responsibility to get them better. This is their journey. Emphasis on theirs. And it could take them years. Okay. And you will run yourself down if you get too involved, like in making sure they're okay every day and really holding responsibility. If you are a parent, the thing that I would advise you to do is get a really, really good therapist that they feel really comfortable and they really like. By getting them professional help, you don't have to hold that responsibility of like, are they okay and whatnot? Because they are, they have a weekly call with a person who is holding that responsibility. That is their job. A little example, my sister has been struggling lately. She's my older sister, but we're only three years apart. And, you know, we've been through a journey of ourselves. Like, obviously this is not really what I'm talking about, but there's been times where we haven't talked for ages. Like, yeah, but we're closer now. And like, I'm really there for her. And I've done a lot of healing stuff in my own therapy to become closer to her now too. And my sister's been going through it a little bit lately and my mum's been really worried and I started to like jump in there and, and really 
empathize and hold all her pain. And I go, oh, it's just, I just can't, like, I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's not our responsibility. And so what I did do was I bought my sister therapy, um, like a pack of like, do you know what I mean? Like eight sessions or something. So that lasts like two months as like a birthday present because she is really going through it at the moment. And like, that's something that I know that will really, really help. And that means that like, it gives my mum that like less stress because I'm like, mum, she's got professional help. And like, she's got my therapist. My therapist is absolute girls. Like she's just the queen of therapy. Like <laughs> I literally like bow my life to her. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I just now get to breathe. My mum gets to breathe. I'm like, mom, she's got a really good therapist. Like, like it's not our responsibility. And I personally have just been a little bit, well, I say a little bit, but more fortunate in the money area of my life and my family. And that's something that like my sister doesn't have much of, not saying much of, but like she doesn't have that disposable income. So for me, it made sense to, you know, give that to her and, you know, I'm not going to bed at night stressing because now she does have that professional support, but she always has that love from me. And I think that's what you got to understand the most you can do. You are there. You show them that you're always there. You show them that they have your love. They have your support, but you're not so engrossed in every part of their journey because she will go through her own process. And also something I want to say is bad days are okay. And don't put pressure on the person who is struggling to always be okay. And this is like, sometimes like my mom will send me texts saying like, are you feeling better this week? And in a weird way, it pisses me off because it makes me feel like there was something wrong when I was feeling low. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't like it when people are almost like trying to pull me out of my bad day. It's like, no, no, no like I'm allowed to have this bad day. And so if you're a parent or a sibling and stuff, it's just, it's, it's nice to notice. Like if someone says they're having a bad day, it's like, it's okay. Like I can be there. Is there anything I can do? But you're not trying to forcefully take them out of it. And the most that you can give that loved person is by doing more you, by you supporting yourself and making yourself essentially a priority and maybe healing parts of you. You could essentially heal parts of your relationship with them and be a better support for them. What they need, what the person struggling needs is an oak tree. This is something that a little new realization I've had. We need oak trees. We need someone super grounded, someone who has, you know, emotional stability, who's not going to shout at us one day, ignore us the other, give us loads of love the other. We need constant love and support. It doesn't matter if, like, example, Let's say a friend of mine is one of my oak trees, okay? They are always there for me. They are constant. The reason why I feel so supported by them is because if I ignore them for two weeks on text, they're still there for me. They don't get pissed off. They don't go, they don't text me saying, why haven't you messaged me? Do you know what I mean? Like, I just know they're always there for me no matter what. And that's what you want to be to that person who's struggling. You want to be their oak tree. Tell them they're always there. There's nothing they can do that will... Do you know what I mean? And again, saying that sometimes we're not ready to be that oak tree because we have our own shit. And so if you're struggling and your friend is struggling, you can't be that oak tree, okay? You gotta find your own feet. And this can also go into relationships. My last relationship with Max, Max was my oak tree. He was the most emotionally stable guy I'd ever met. 
He was always grounded. This man never once raised his voice at me or like, okay, maybe we had an argument a couple of times, but like overall, when I cried, when I was anxious, he never got mad at me. When I would push him away, he was always there. He was an oak tree. And that's what I needed at the time. Coming out of it, it's been, it's been a lot of lessons. I now have to be my own oak tree. And what happened recently was I got into a situationship and the dynamics were different. They were far from an oak tree. And what my therapist explained was like, Anna, you're having to be the oak tree. And then we realized I haven't got my roots yet. I can't be that yet. And so I've stepped out of that situation and this is my current journey. I'm working on myself being so grounded in who I am, having lots of safe tools for me to express my emotions, to be able to turn up for myself. Do you know what I mean? Self-care, like really empowered and present who I am so that in the future, in a relationship, I think this is gonna be the next part of my healing journey is I have never been in a relationship where I've been the oak tree. I've always relied on someone else to regulate me, to make me feel better. And so it's gonna be a whole new learning chapter when I am the oak tree. Cause I'm gonna have to, basically when someone comes in and out, I've gotta be okay with that. And that's fucking hard. But anyways, that was me totally going off on a different ramble. But I think it was interesting. The last thing that I wanna finish on today is talking about your rebalanced body, okay? This is your body post-recovery, like, like genuinely post-post-recovery when you start accepting your body and you start being able to exercise in a healthy way and eat in a nice balanced way. I want you to take everything I say with a pinch of salt, especially if you're still struggling because this, like you can't jump from recovery to this. You have to go through your whole process of recovery. And I'm gonna start by saying, I won't lie, you know, my body has changed. And even me myself is surprised with myself at the at the moment like the last six months I'm just kind of a bit like I'm like confused because my whole life I thought I had to diet and I thought I had to exercise loads and be really stupidly obsessed with everything in order to have a body that I liked or to in order just to like feel healthy and athletic and you know what, I eat well every day. In a way of eating well, I don't mean like super healthy. I mean like I eat a substantial amount of food. I eat a substantial amount of carbs, protein, fats, calories. I don't count calories, I don't track. I'm okay with sitting down all day. And never in my life have I had so much ease with maintaining my current body. And for me, that's a really healthy thing. It's a really healthy thing that my body hasn't super fluctuated in the last six months. And I'm not saying fluctuations in your body is bad. I'm just saying from a person who for the last five years would switch from losing too much weight to putting on more weight to losing too much. Do you know what I mean? Like I had those extreme things because I was constantly changing my relationship with food or not not changing my relationship with food, but like binging or not binging or do you know what I mean? Like just a load of things. And now it's like, so you're telling me the last six months, my body has stayed the same. I'm not fighting it. It's coming to me easy. I can be active Sundays and active for not weeks as well. Like, it's just weird for me. And I'm gonna share some reasons why. And this is coming from a girl who never understood how fitness influences, like when I would see like Whitney Simmons or like Megan Grubb, I'd be like, how the fuck 
do you maintain your body? And it like not seem like you have an eating disorder, do you know what I mean? Because like previously, the only way that I knew to have a good body was do all these things. And like, I'm so fucking proud to, to actually come to a point where I have let go of so many things and come into my rebalanced body in a really healthy way. So I'm gonna share some, some things that, you know, I would actually say is not inspo, but yeah, please take this with a pinch of salt. Firstly, I walk around with less stress, right? I'm less stressed and stress holds on to stuff. Second reason, I have let go of trauma. Trauma is held in the body. You only need to read a couple of books to know that, but I've physically let go of trauma through my therapy. I do energy healing as well. So not just your normal talking therapy, but actual going into the chakras, going into the whole energy thing. Um, the next one, I'm consistent in the gym because I've healed my relationship with it. I don't see it as a chore and I see it as something I enjoy and something that makes me feel better. The next one, I allow emotions to come up instead of suppressing it with food. The next one, I eat foods I actually want to eat. And so I don't binge. I don't let myself feel guilty about things because I generally don't feel guilty about things. I do lower intensity exercise when I'm on my periods. I stopped yo-yo dieting. I stopped trying to burn the most amount of calories in my workouts. I stopped judging my body or thinking it needed to change. I stopped skipping meals or eating low calorie things. And instead I ate more fats and more carbs and more calories to fuel myself. I gave myself time. And most importantly, I stopped trying to lose weight. And that was when my body changed. When I did all those things I just listed above. Your body is yours. Don't let any other person tell you what you can and cannot look like. You do the lifestyle you love and let your body be the product of that. And if you want to run, you run. If you want to work out often, you do it. But you are the only one who knows your true intentions behind it. And that's on you. If you're going to do it in an unhealthy way, go do it, girl. But it'll come to a point where it doesn't serve you, okay? Example, I was having a bad day yesterday and I had anxiety until 3 p.m., okay? Like I was quaking, quaking on the sofa. And I kept thinking to myself, like, I was like, okay, what can I do to get out of this state? And my body was like, well, movement does help. So I was like, okay, I could go to the gym. But I kept thinking, I, I, I kept like, I was anxious. I was lying on the sofa. I was putting an effort to try get up. And then my brain was like, no, you can't go gym because you've got yoga later. And so you're going to exercise too much in the day, apparently, in terms of the eating disorder police. Like, you're going to do that too much. And so I stayed on the sofa. And then it came to a point up until 3 p.m. where I got big fuck you to my thoughts. I genuinely know why I exercise and why I go to the gym. And so I did that. I went to the gym and guys, my mood had completely shifted literally my whole day up until 3 p.m. I had quaking anxiety. I couldn't move. I was scrolling on social media. I was like paralyzed. I went to the gym. I listened to my music. I had my coffee and I felt fucking good and it shifted me. Okay. It shifted me. And this is because exercise is a tool. And unfortunately, unfortunately we abuse it when we have bad body image issues. 
But once we give ourselves the actual break from exercise and we do our whole recovery stuff, we become less dependent on it. We can do it from a place of love again. I'm here to tell you that it will feel amazing one day and you will have the power to shift anxiety, to shift a bad mood, to re-energize you. And there is a reason why we are told to exercise weekly and why it is good for our mental health. Like they're not making that up. But you do need to go through your recovery journey first. And I promise you that if you do commit to it, you fully let yourself embrace all parts of it, you will come out the other side and you will be able to go on runs and feel like you're flying and feel the wind on your face and feel the endorphins. And most importantly, not feel and not think about the calories you have to burn. You will be able to go to the gym. You will be able to hype yourself up in the mirrors. You will be able to feel strong without a second of critiquing your body. I am telling you there is light at the end of the tunnel. Please let yourself fully dip into your recovery journey. Time will heal and you will be able to come to a place where exercise is a tool for your mental health again. Okay. And so a message to my girls out of recovery or right at the end of it or really feel like they're onto something else, but they have this restriction on like, but I don't feel like I'm allowed to exercise. I don't feel like I'm allowed to do this. Or people around me are commenting if I go on a mental health walk when your genuine intentions are the mental health walk. I'm telling you, if you know that's your genuine intentions, go do it, girl, go exercise. And that feels so like ironic or like opposite to what you think would be on an eating disorder tip kind of podcast. But like, I'm genuinely telling you like after recovery, exercise is a tool again. And like, you are allowed to use it, okay? Woo. I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. I'm so, so interested to know what you guys thought of it. I haven't done an eating disorder podcast in months, like like a lot of time. And so I would love your feedback. If you're on Apple Podcasts, if you gave a review, that would be amazing. If you haven't given a little cheeky five star on Spotify podcast review, that would be amazing. But most importantly, I have an Inside Anna's Mind podcast Instagram. If you want to let me know how you found this exact episode, it would be amazing to get your feedback. And yeah, I really just want to let you know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and whatever stage of your journey you are at, you are doing your absolute best. And I really want you to channel all of your energy, like reclaim your energy, okay? Stop putting it into other people or other people's journeys or what they're doing or what your friend is doing. What are you doing? Okay, you do you and you have got this. So I'm leaving you on this very afternoon or morning or evening, whenever you're listening to this with a lot of love and I hope you have an amazing day and I'll see you guys next Tuesday.